Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure depressive aggravation. Take a look and you'll see into your insomniatic imagination. Hi kids. I'm your host, Sartini. Welcome to another episode of Depressed Ravings of an Insomniac. It is currently 12.18 a.m. I'm filming in my basement, and oh my god, uh, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. I'm shaking in my little baby boots. I'm so anxious. I can't even sing on the proper note. Oh my god, I feel like I'm screaming internally and I'm on fire. And I have no idea how to express the burning desire I have toward life. Oh. Yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what's going on. Uh, and the reason that I'm I'm this nervous right now is because uh, fuck, uh, I'm doing it. I'm moving to Vietnam. My plane takes off in 11 hours, 11 a.m. Thursday, October 11th, and then I'm off to a foreign country, which I don't speak the language. I don't know how to read over there. Um, I don't know how to pronounce any of the words. I think they're letter R in Vietnam is pronounced J for some reason. Like, I just don't understand anything, you know? Um, fuck, we're doing it, though. Uh, as Mark always says, we are here and we're doing it. And this is the final podcast I'll be filming uh, in America. Maybe for the next year, maybe forever, I don't know. But the plan is, essentially, uh, you know, I'm going to go fly in to Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City, I'm taking a month-long class, which is going to prepare me to become uh, employed as an English teacher. And uh, the plan is to stay in Vietnam for at the minimum amount of time, one year, uh, just teaching little, you know, kindergarten children how to speak the English language. And uh, that is the intention. That's why I'm going there on paper. Um and uh, kind of picking up everything I have in my life. I'm putting it on hold or packing everything I own into a little suitcase and I'm heading out. Um, I've never done anything like this. I have a vague notion of what I'll be doing and I'm fucking scared out of my fucking mind. Um, I don't even know how to pack. You know, like even it's, it's the simple things you realize you don't know in these times of great change, right? Like, I was just kind of, you know, I'm used to moving between place to place to place. And um, I used to move around so much in America that I used to just live out of, like, a little box, right? I just used to own nothing and be with nothing and just that's it, you know? And being a minimalist like that's really cool. It gives you a lot of utility, and I actually prefer owning as little as possible. But at the same time, when you're moving to a place where you don't know anything and you can't even pretend like you don't know something right you can't even fake it until you make it as they used to say back in my uh communication major um like you can't even fake how little you know you know and like i don't know what's going on so i want to like overpack so i can you know kind of make sure that i'm safe and secure given that i don't even know if i'll have access to my like funds or bank account like i don't know how any of this shit works this is my first kind of experience literally being alone like and I don't mean taking like a retreat and a meditation in the woods for like a day. You know, I mean, like I'm going to be alone for like a year minimum, right? That's my time commitment. That's how long I'm going for. And uh, we'll see what happens. Um, teaching English sounded like a good idea 
in my head, but now that I'm actually going to do it, it's a little bit more terrifying. But at the same time, you know, for me, it wouldn't make sense to do anything else. Like, all my life, I've tried to build myself into this stellar brand, this kind of like Theodore Roosevelt, larger than life, just pure ridiculous character. Like, everything I do, I just want it to be fucking like insanely weird or interesting. Like, I don't care much about happiness and striving toward that, obviously, like depression and like sadness, like, all right, whatever. I don't care. I don't care about either of those things. I just want to be something beyond everything. And I find that to be the word interesting. Doing something cool never loses its value. You know, that's kind of like, that's a thought I'm thinking right now, you know? And uh, for me, like the most interesting thing on my plate happened to be teaching, you know? And I figured traveling the world to do the one thing I, I tend to enjoy more so than not what could be better to document on the internet, you know? Like, everything I, I do for the rest of my life has to be documented on the internet. This is my career field. This is what I'm chosen. But, you know, the internet is great and all, and wanting to be this cool internet personality and entertainer, that's great. But, you know, now it's not happening. And I figured the only way that I would be able to really build a following is if I did something stupid like this, if I started traveling the world. And I don't even like traveling, by the way. Um, You know, here's the story of basically how I got into going to teach abroad, right? I was, uh, it was my senior year. It's my last semester. I was uh, in a magazine writing class with a teacher named Pam. Now, Pam is a special person in my heart, okay? She's just this short little lady from Long Island, you know, has got kind of like a, she, I don't know, dude, I don't even know how to do a Pam accent. She's very, like, high-pitched, but she kind of sounds like she's smoking a little bit, but, like, not really because it's just how Long Island people talk in general, you know what I'm saying? So she kind of talks like that, and she's, like, short, she's, like, 4'11", and uh, I think she has, like, a PhD in, like, drama and also in science, okay? So this girl is very, both artistically gifted and very whatever science people do, you know, she's, she's smart, she's smart, okay, so Pam is, you know, kind of giving us a lecture, uh, and her lectures typically go in the form of, uh, this is the gossip of my town for the week, what do you guys make of it, you know, communications, we're not a real major, we just kind of shoot the shit, so we're shooting the shit, and Pam kind of goes in the halfway of her sentence, she's like, so my mother, you know, she's kind of making fuss with my, and, uh, wait a minute, hold on a second, what if I, uh, you know what, how about this, and she says, uh, you know, has anyone thought of uh, traveling? You know, does anyone like to travel? And everyone was like, oh, my God, that'd be so exciting. I love traveling. This is great, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm just like, fucking Pam, why the fuck would you want to travel? You know, I think that's stupid. Like, oh, look at me. I want to be a little bit and I don't want to have responsibilities. I want to avoid my responsibilities by, like, traveling the world. And, like, maybe if I just, like, I don't know, move from place to place, I'll be able to avoid the reason that no one loves me. And then I won't have to worry about anything. And I just am so sad inside, but I don't want to admit it. And I don't care how far I have to go. I will travel the ends of the earth just so I don't have to address the perpetual void that is my existence. Okay. Um, and that's kind of how I see traveling. So I was like, eh, fuck that, Pam. I just want to go to Brooklyn and I want to get a small studio apartment in like whatever version of Chinatown they have. And I want to live there and be poor and work on YouTube videos and like have a job in podcasting. And then we're done. And she was like, well, Satini, you know, that sounds great and all, but 
you know, what if, what about, listen to this, okay? I got a friend over in Taiwan, Ming Ling, you know, and Ming, she's a nice lady. She teaches at a university there. She's looking for English teachers. Would you, you know, would, would anybody be interested in uh, going to teach English in Taiwan? And me, okay, anybody, anytime that someone drops the T word, okay, I got to do it. You know what I mean? Like, Taiwanese girls are the most attractive on the planet. There is no, there's no comparison for me. It is, yep, that's the, boom. That island, that's where the attractive wives live for me, okay? If I'm getting married, I'm going to Taiwan. That's just how it's going to be. I don't know why. I find those genetics very attractive. If you want to get more specific, indigenous Taiwanese plus mainland Chinese Cantonese, that's what's up for me. But that's a different conversation. Anyway, I like Taiwanese girls. So I'm like, I got to do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's it's that simple. I'm going so I could find a wife and settle down and end this weird playboy rampage I've been on for the past four years. We're doing it. So, you know, I was negotiating with Pam and her friend about teaching there. But, you know, I didn't really feel like they knew what they were going on. You know, like this university that said they wanted to hire people. But, like, I just didn't feel the intuition that they were really going to go through with it. But, you know, I I did stuff with them. But I figured it wouldn't work out. So I I looked on my own. And, um, you know, I I looked into teaching in other Asian countries like, you know, Japan or Korea or uh, not China. No one likes China. Uh, and then finally I got to Vietnam and, um, at first I was a little skeptical of Vietnam because, uh, I'm scared of it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like what the fuck does Vietnam even look like? Like, I know it's a jungle and we lost a war there. Do they have any like other good attributes? I don't fucking, I don't know. I've never heard anyone that's been there before except for my fucking friends that were in the Vietnam war and they didn't seem like they were having too much of a good time there, you know? So I didn't really know anything about it. And then, I, you know, I started looking into Vietnam and was like, oh, they're communists. That doesn't resonate well with my American values. Oh, that looks scary. And the more I looked into it, the, sort of the more terrified of the country I got. And I realized that if I go there, that's clearly the best decision, you know. Always do the thing you're most afraid of and do it first. That's a cool story to tell. And I figured, you know what, if I go to Korea, if I go to Japan, they're first world countries, everything's, business is booming, everything's great, everything makes sense. But why would I want to do that? You know, I want to go just, where is hell? Where's the gate closest toward hell? How do I descend further down the the rabbit hole of despair? Let's do it. You know, so I figured Vietnam would just scare me to death. And fear is really good for lazy people, right? Because if you're lazy... You know, if you lack motivation, obviously you're not going to fucking do anything. You know, for me, I don't see reason to move. I don't see any, I don't have drive to do anything. Nothing brings me enjoyment. Like, I don't sleep well. I don't sleep, I barely sleep at all. So that's not fun. I hate food. Like, I just want to eat the same thing every day. Like, I have no, I have nothing which brings me any solace in my life, right? Except for women. Women are great. So that's all I do is just I have sex and I sit at home and I cry, right? So I figured the the best way to stop doing that was to make myself so terrified that I was going to die the next day that it would make sure I do stuff with my life. And that's what this experience is about. It's about scaring me so much that I move. And the direction I like to move is sort of, you know, obviously trying to be a better person and be one with God. Those are the cliched terms, but like, what does that mean? You know? And for me, I think being a better person is really just doubling down on this philosophy I have. You know, I've talked about it a lot before in my dude show in particular, but you know, I, I think the best way to deal with women, if you're a guy and you want to improve your dating life, 
what you need to do is think a little bit less. And I'm not sure what that means, think a little bit less. Every time I'm, I'm with a woman and I just turn off my head and I just let everything flow and let everything exist and I have nary a single thought, everything goes great. But if I ever go into thinking logic mode and I start reasoning and rationalizing and analyzing the world about around me and like I make all these weird, you know, like very specific yet broad rationalizations about the world and how people should act and things like that. You know, I just I just get into this weird logical like headspace where nothing moves. And uh, at those times, I, everything sort of falls apart. And I want to explore the sort of, um, I call it the illogical side of life, the side in which I, I don't have to think at all ever. And, you know, even within the space of, of not thinking, as I'll put it, um, th- there's still a lot of thinking. There's still something which guides you other than your own consciousness, or at least it seems to me. Uh, some people, maybe maybe it's an intuition thing. Maybe it's, you know, we don't have conscious will and everything's, uh, we humans act based on their unconscious only and there's a way to tap into that. I, I don't really know what my philosophy is. I don't know what it looks like. I know what it kind of sounds like. I know what kind of basis that I have for it, but I don't know how to live it yet. So really what I'm trying to do is go in a space which confuses me so much that it enables me to tap into these other sort of gears to my being, if you will. And um, I, I want to learn what it's like to be more in this space. And and I've realized that when I do I am in this sort of space, everything kind of just feels right. Um, it it kind of feels like I'm always in the right place at the right time when I shut off my thinking. And um, the best word I can use to sort of like, an, uh, to say how that might feel is sort of like an overwhelming sense of, compassion and and like kind of warm-hearted laughter all the time and I said okay compassion like where in my life have I consciously felt myself giving something good to other people let's say and it all comes back to teaching for me that's what I love to do the most is I love to take a, a, a young idiot and I love to sit down with a kid and say hey what do you want to do then they'll say something stupid and then I'll be like, great, let's let's help you do that stupid thing together. You know, when you're helping somebody, it's not about imprinting your conscious wills and desires onto the other person. It's about shutting the fuck up, listening to them, and then helping guide them on their journey of accomplishing what the objective is that they have in mind. You don't give any input. You just sort of push them in. You sort of question them in a way in which they can figure out a better, more defined trajectory based on answering their own questions. You know, so that, that's kind of my version of teaching. And, you know, for my senior year, I was very fortunate. I, I took on all kinds of different students. I took out dudes to bars, uh, you know, on the weekends. I helped them learn how to talk to women. I helped myself learn how to talk to women like that. You know, I had a couple different students in which I would sort of just teach them how to make friends and do social circle things and have conversations. And, uh, you know, every time I go in a chat room somewhere on Facebook and a very super secret Facebook groups I would be in, you know, people would always come up to me and like ask me questions through Facebook messenger. And I've got, you know, I've really fell in love with that sort of like sage role. And I don't really want to be in a more of a sage archetype. I'd rather be a magician. And what that simply means is that I take all these weird concepts you've think have no value whatsoever and I teach you how important they are right and that's that's what I do really that's the focus of, of my life survival guide show I, I take these weird philosophical concepts that mean absolutely nothing to you that you think are stupid and obsolete and then I make them make sense 
and hopefully with those you can answer some of the burning questions you've always had in your mind by taking these weird abstract things and breaking them down to a way that you can understand and internalize those teachings, right? That's what I love to do, okay? And I figured teaching alongside making videos would sort of put me in that more compassion-giving frame of existence. And then once I return to America, hopefully I'll have sort of been in that state so long, been able to nurture it, that it becomes my default state rather than me being the cunty asshole who fucks everyone that I am now, you know, like, I'm trying to be a better person. I'm trying to do better for you, Michelle. If you could just, if you could just come back and everything would be great, you know, like, I know we broke up four years ago, but I'm becoming a better person. I swear to God, you know, um, and that's another aspect of it. You know, I, uh, I'm ungodly upset, um, about my breakup I had years ago, you know, with that one chick I always uh, mention. And like, I love that girl a lot. And just being in America, you know, like, it's too easy for me. You know, and I think when you're in easy mode all the time, and you've got all this free time, you know, not only to become demotivated and stagnate, but sort of all the thoughts and negative things which have inflicted you in your past sort of well up. Like, if you're not constantly uh doing something of value the past is going to consume you and and draw you back into that and it's going to take your focus and keep it there or something like that i don't know that's a cliche i have to unpack later but you know basically i'm sad about my ex-girlfriend all the time and i i think you know i don't want to say all of me is is going to to vietnam for that reason but there's i would say at least 5 to 10% of my being thinks it's a good idea to move to this country because hopefully I won't have to think about that anymore. And no, that's not the healthiest way to go about things. You know, repressing things isn't a good idea. I just don't know what else to do. You know, it's, it's been a while. I've done everything that I, I think I can, but now it's time to do something even I don't understand and maybe that'll give me some answers, you know? If you confuse yourself enough, you'll you'll figure, you'll understand a lot more of yourself than you have ever before because it shows your true character, you know? Put a scared dog in a corner and, well, that scared dog is probably going to lash back at you. It's going to show its fangs. If it's a house dog, like a little poodle, it probably doesn't even know it has fangs. But in that moment when it's scared for its life, it'll show you an aspect of its true character. So that's kind of what I hope is going to happen to me. And, um... You know, it was weird earlier today even. Like, you know, this is um, one of the most risky things I've ever done. And I know that it's risky because my father made me sign a, um, fuck, what is it called when you, power of attorney, right? For all those who don't know what power of attorney is, it's basically something when you know that you're going to die or become incapacitated in such a way that you lose your mental capabilities and you have to give the rights to your property and your money to someone else. So my father, assuming I would die, made me go to uh, a version of court today and made me sign over all my goods uh, to him just in case I die. So if that's not real, I don't know what is, you know. Um, typically, it's for those of you who haven't experienced death in your family, um, typically it's, you know, your your parents are, you're, you are going to outlive your parents. And at the time in which they're about to die, or maybe a couple months or years before, uh, you typically take control of their finances for them and, you know, take care of the estates and make sure everything's in order and, you know, do their taxes and shit because they're, 
you know, old and dying, you know, and that's typically what happens. And they die and that, you know, makes things a little bit easier on the legal front um, for when they're gone. But, uh, you know, signing one of those uh, with your own father is a little bit weird because, you know, when you have a child in the world, you expect to die before them. You know, you expect I'm old, they're young, they're filled with potential, I'm done with my life. It's over. I failed a lot. I won a lot. Here we are. You know, that's what you think when you're you're a dad. And, uh, you know, having to sign one of those with your son has got to be fucking weird. I don't know. Ugh. Like, actually having that conversation, like, hey, son, uh, you're probably going to die. This is a very dumb thing you're doing. You, you might act. There's a good chance you could die. What do you do? You know, like having that conversation with your dad is always weird. Now, fortunately, my dad doesn't do emotions, so I didn't have to have that conversation. But signing those forms made me uncomfortable, you know, like giving, I don't know, I I, I guess I probably am going to write up like a sheet of, of paper and with all my friends and say where all my belongings and possessions will go and what gets distributed to whom uh, probably after the show. And um, kind of reminds me a lot of when I was a kid. You know, I, I talked about this in a suicide, uh, my thoughts on the on the notion of suicide video a couple days ago. I don't know if I posted that. I don't know if I will post that. But, you know, I growing up for me was not fun. And uh, I thought of dying in, all the time because my life was so bad. And it was either I was just going to commit suicide because, like, fuck it. What else am I going to do with my time? I'm, like, 10, you know, like, I, I don't want to go fucking play hopscotch I might as well just kill myself you know like ah creativity at its finest you know that was one option because uh, my life was so bad like it, it, dying would have been way better than living that's what I always thought uh, I was either going to kill myself or definitely someone was going to kill me and I had a couple people who it looked like they wanted to you know so death was always on my mind and I remember um, every week kind of or so when I would go hang over to hang out my brother <clears throat> like I'd always before I went to go hang out with him, oftentimes I brought like a bunch of valued possessions with me and I'd be like, hey man, here are all my like um, Yu-Gi-Oh cards and my Pokemans and the, like I, I just want you to have these. And he'd always be like, man, what's what's going on? And I'm like, no, I just, you know, just in case, you know, something goes goes bad. You know, I just want to make sure that, you know, I love you and like here's my things that I think you would enjoy. Okay, thanks for being my friend. Bye-bye. You know, like, I would do that all the time. Or, like, I would write, like, really long, intricate notes uh, saying my valuations of other people and thanking them for being in my life. You know, I did that on, like, a weekly, sometimes bi-weekly basis, you know? Uh, death was always on my mind when I was a kid. Things weren't fun. And going back into that state for a couple hours was weird, you know? When you're a kid, you have all these weird notions about how the world is and how things should be, and when you're an adult, you usually have grander delusions even, you know. We always base our existence off of these assumptions. But you never think that you'll have the same assumptions um, from your childhood to your adulthood. And it was weird going back into that state because it's like, fuck, dude, I thought we took care of this shit already. You know, like, fuck, I was already in that state of almost dying every day. I don't want to go back to that shit. You know, like there's an actual threat uh, that it all might be over when I do this weird excursion. But at the same time, it's something that needs to be done. You know, that's, you know, that's just how I am. And when I say how I am, I mean, that's how my philosophy is, right? Like philosophy of the Phoenix, go first. 
do the thing which is most terrifying and do it first so you can guide other people through the flames of change, you know? Something stupid like that that sounds good. Sounds like something I would think, right? You know, and um, I think that's really the essence of, of being a teacher in the, the way I, I want to be, you know? I have to have weird life experiences so I can better help you guys, the viewers, sort of figure out their own shit by using my life as an example. And if my life is ever too boring or normal, how are how is that going to be something for you to look up to? Or how is that something to build a brand around? Or how is that something to laugh at, you know? Like, if I'm not constantly just doing something stupid there's nothing there to give that's what i think anyway like another option i could have you know i could easily do something like super normal right like and in a plan i had you know i was either go teach in vietnam or you know go try to find a job in podcasting which is are basically non-existent you know but i wanted to move in new york uh to become a podcast host and preferably work with npr but when I applied to NPR, um, I didn't spell check my resume, which is such a fucking naive thing to do. And I sent my resume into them and I was like, oh my God, no, I, I genuinely did not spell check that. I fucking sent NPR, the biggest radio production company in the world, the wrong version of my resume. What the fuck? No. So like I fucking had to like email HR and be like, uh, I'm sorry that I'm so stupid and ignorant and a piece of garbage. If you could look at the correct version of my resume and it was over. So NPR definitely wasn't happening, and I was really thinking I could get a job with them. I, I have the qualifications to start, but, like, that didn't happen. I applied to some other jobs, and, like, that didn't happen either. And uh, I was like, oh, boy, this being normal thing isn't going to work. Let me, you know, let me try this other company. And, uh, you know, there's there's a deal I most likely, like, 75% sure I could have had in which I'd be working in sales, um, and I would make $75,000 a year, Um straight out of college and then the next year which would be like 2019 2020 i'd probably make a hundred thousand and then after that i can probably get up to like 150 you know and those are huge fucking numbers like those are really big numbers okay and i could have had like a really stable life like that it could have moved into manhattan bought like a nice little penthouse suite for myself cool little studio apartment and um i could have just made a really large like social circle of fucking like models and shit. I'd bang a new girl every night. I'd have amazing talk shows with like crazy artists and film people. Like I have this great network in New York I've always wanted to tap into and really commit to. But at the same time, like that's too like normal for me. I don't know. Like what are you going to do? Like make a fucking like make a hundred thousand dollars a year and like have sex with the hottest girls in the world and then make amazing internet content talk shows like why you know like why would I want to do that it makes sense to me I understand what I'll be doing like yeah it's going to be monumentally difficult I'm sure but like what like no like I don't know I, I really can't explain it but like basically living the most baller Dan Bilzerian-esque life is something that every man deep down inside wants to do and like I could probably do that and like I want to say it'd be like really difficult just because it sounds that way but like I, that seems like something I could definitely do and if you're my friend or you watch a lot of my content that's definitely the thing that you can see me doing right like I just feel like that's something I can do and if I I know I can do it I have no aspiration 
of even like so much as attempting to do that. Like I always want to be playing in a space where I don't know what's going on because it's it. I just find it funny, you know. Like oh wow, look at that guy. He could have been the next fucking Hugh Hefner. He totally could have. And then he went and became like some weird sage with long hair in the mountains to teach children. Like what? Like that's so much. That's so much funnier, you know. Like and plus living in basically abject poverty. Like that's fucking when am I gonna get to do that again you know like that's a fun game to play living on the verge of total bankruptcy and despair that's awesome like that's so much that's just funny I don't know I I, I just like this the, the thought of of me traveling Asia not knowing anyone I don't understand the language I can't even get fucking laid because I can't talk to women there like I have nothing to my name and I just go into school every day I've got this long scraggly beard and this, this fucking hair and I just like you know the playboy goes like to teach little children how to speak languages <laughs> like oh my god i'll never stop laughing at that and because it's funny is a really good reason to do something right like fuck being happy or sad or fucking whatever just do something interesting that's like kind of funny because like what else you know like that that's it interests me more i don't know i don't know how to put it you know like this is just an episode of me just riffing on shit now but like i don't know i just don't i think it's just i really don't aspire at this point in my life to have like money for some reason and I don't really quite know why that is like I'm probably the cheapest man alive like if if I go on dates with women for example like typically they will pay in one way or another I don't even have to ask them at this point they just know that either a my time is very valuable which it's not or b I just like I don't want to be here you know like I'll always take girls out for like tea or something. They'll typically pay or like for fucking dinner. It's a very rare occurrence, which I'll pay for a girl's dinner um, or like pay for whatever we're doing. And like, I don't mean to sound like a dick. It's just like, I think they know that I don't want to be doing anything which involves spending money. So they just like intuitively pay for things. Like I was on a date with the hottest woman I've ever met in my entire life. And I, I mean like... It's hard for me to envision someone more attractive than this woman. She's so fucking cool and intelligent too, by the way. It's amazing. And I remember I went to go fucking get ramen with her. And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll pay. I'm like, well, why? She's like, I don't fucking... I actually... She's like, I don't really know. I just feel like I need to pay. And I'm like, uh, okay, we we could split it. She's like, nah, I, like, I feel an overwhelming urge to pay right now. I can't explain it. I'm like, cool. That's, that's fine. Thank you very much, hot model person. You know, like that typically happens to me all the time. Um... So that's about how cheap I am. My dates can even sense like just how shitty of a person I am, right? And um, that's funny. So I'm just going to be poor all the time. And um, that's so much more fun. Like I, I still don't know. Like when I was a kid, for example, like just graduating high school, I was like, oh yeah, I'm super attractive and I'm intelligent. I know everything and everyone else is a piece of shit and they're all stupid. Ha ha ha, better than you rest of the world. I'm going to go be a millionaire. I'm going to make so much money. I'm going to own my own castle. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to get a bunch of book deals. I'm going to be this crazy character. Motivation, success, hustle, swag. Yeah. And uh, Younger Sartini was a fucking conceited douchebag. Like, being an asshole is like an art. But being a douchebag, like, no, no, no. You just got to talk big and mean all of it, but can do none of it, you know? Like, that's what being a douchebag is. Like, you got all these crazy goals and aspirations, and you talk big game, but, like, you just can't do any of it, and you know you can't, and everyone around you knows you can't, but, like, it kind of looks like you might, but now you definitely can't. Like, that's what being a douchebag is. And I was a douchebag for a very long time, you know? I was a piece of shit kid. But, like, I just wanted all these tremendous 
physical objects. I don't know. Like I, I literally remember I was Googling castles to buy over in like Scotland or like little islands down in like fucking the Bahamas or something. Like I genuinely thought that I was going to get a castle. That's how successful I was going to be. But like, why would I want any of that stuff? Like, Jesus Christ. Like, oh my God, spending money to get a castle? That's so much effort. Ew. God. I don't know whether it's me just being demotivated, but like, I'm good, dude. I want a very small apartment. I want to own very little. I want to make just enough to survive and like, done. I want not like, here's all the physical pleasure in the world. Let's distance ourselves from that. Okay. Like, I don't want enjoyment. I just want to be a struggling artist and die. And we're good. That's fun to me. It's fun to me to see how far I can go before I actually die. Oh my God. Like just put me right, but like put me right in the edge of life and death all the time. Like, let me just navigate in that space. I fucking love it. You know? And, and I think I, I've probably talked about this a couple times now, but you know, that's where I think it's very important to consider being because chaos has to exist in your life in some quantity. And I would personally rather have chaos exist in the world around me and the external world rather than the internal world of my mind. So I imagine that if I go to the ends of the earth to just live in these crazy, ridiculous places, that my life will be so chaotic, it will ensure that all the chaos is external and my mind can remain calm and clear internal. You know, if I'm not doing anything, if I have a lot of free time to think, I'm just going to be going back to the past all the time. Like, oh, if only I did things differently with my ex-girlfriend. Ah, if only my life were better and I wasn't drugged as a child. Ah, you know, and and you, you sort of just get all these resentment sort of thoughts. And I was thinking a little bit earlier today, uh, making a video for some dudes I used to, to sort of mentor uh, about like this concept of approach anxiety. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, it's approach anxiety is when you see a beautiful person, but uh, you don't approach him. <laughs> you know, like, oh my God, there's the most beautiful, gorgeous individual with the, oh, she's he or she's the perfect height. Like, oh my God, they have the, the, the hair, they have the hair. Oh my God. You know, they've got everything that you want physically in a person. You're overwhelmingly attracted to them and you know that that would be like the perfect person for you but like you're too scared to do shit about it. Like what is that process of being too scared to, to speak to a person who you would like absolutely adore, right? What is that? Uh, it's known as approach anxiety, but what I, I think really the, the basis of where that anxiety comes from of like, oh my God, this person's so beautiful, but like, where that noise comes from, where that weird anxiety is, what that means is that like, you know that you should act, but you don't. But you want to, yet you don't. You want to do something. It is the desire to do something from such a deep level within you that it resonates all across your entire body. But yet you choose not to move. It's when your consciousness impedes your will, you become anxious. Because you want to act. You see yourself acting, but then you don't. So you're at complete dissynchronicity what is the word you're sort of like two sides of your soul are pulling on opposite directions you're sort of tearing yourself apart Sartini my god you're tearing yourself apart you're at war with yourself and you're at war with yourself because you're not acting in the external world right you have to be acting 
in the external world. That is the cure to anxiety, is actually doing something. You're going to be scared at some level all of the time when you're doing something, but if you can just sort of let that go and enter the state of, again, not thinking of illogic and let that guide you, then you'll no longer feel any sort of negative emotion to it. Like, yeah, I'm always going to be in a state of fear every day of my life for the next year minimum, but like if I can enter that sort of space, which I don't think, it doesn't have to matter. And that's sort of a good message to take away from the remainder of my journeys. If you don't think, it doesn't have to matter. Things don't have to be good. They don't have to be bad. They just are. Everything just simply is. And any sort of way of the world you're viewing it, you know, whether things are right or wrong, that's just you trying to cling to your assumptions of reality. But if you can make yourself afraid enough while not thinking about it, you can get away from all this stuff, you know? Something like that. I don't know. Like, just try to shut your consciousness up as much as you can and things will typically work out for you. It's always going to be scary. It's always going to be weird. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow and you'll never know and you can't have any control, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Cynicism, fatalism, whatever you want to call it. But like, yeah, whatever. The fuck, just do it anyway. Who gives a shit, you know? <laughs> I think that's it. Just Who cares? Just do it, you know? So like, I'm packing my suitcase right now. I'm trying to fit everything I own to this one little space. And like, I don't even know how to pack. And like, I don't know how to go through an airport. And I don't know how to buy plane tickets. And I don't know where I'll even be staying. I don't know how to speak Vietnamese. I don't know anything that's going to happen. But like, why just do it? Like, who cares? You know, like, oh, poor, poor you. Poor you, the the wealthy little little child just he's he's sad that he doesn't know what's going on like who gives a fuck man just fucking do shit no one cares things you do don't matter you might as well do them because like why else like what else are you gonna do sit at home and bitch about your ex-girlfriends like who cares just fucking do a thing go and don't be a little bitch about it either like don't it's just you know like that's the thing always in the back of my head like sartini why are you doing the thing you're doing And in this one time, you know, I'm sort of going genuinely to, like, make myself a better person. It's so dumb. Like, I feel like most things I do are driven to be a better person, but, like, that's not sort of, like, the baseline motivation, and you can see it, right? So like me being a better person, what does that mean? What forms do I take to pursue it? It's like, well, the main thing I do is I date a lot of women. That's how I go undergo self-development. And I date a lot of women. Why? Because women know everything. And then if I am around them more, they'll tell me how shitty I am and then I can improve, right? That's sort of the haha laugh it's funny hypothesis right but like on the baseline level you could say like yeah you date a lot of girls so you can like go through self-development but like that's also a biological necessity and sex is a factor involved with it so like is that the main motivation yes or no and that's kind of with everything right like everything's kind of like a toss-up it's like well you're, you're you know are you going to vietnam to like be a better person or are you running away from negative thoughts of your ex-girlfriends or like blah 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 but like no i think really the main motivation and there are a lot, but like the main one is like, hey man, you know, let's try to get this this better spirit of compassion and uh, let's try to sort of enter a state of, of not thinking. And um, that's it. It's kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm very relaxed with this intention because it seems very pure uh, to me at this time, uh, which is good. You know, if you're doing something scary, it's, it's good to at least have 
1% peace of mind about it. And I think I'm going to use that 1%, build it into a little island and exist there. And, and hopefully I can thrive in it throughout the next year. But um, here we go, guys. This is the last thing I'm going to be recording or filming in America. And um, as Mark says, we're doing it. We are here and we are doing it. Uh, now, if you'll excuse me, it is currently 12.57 a.m. And I'm probably going to try to sleep um, for the first time in my life. I'm going to really try my best to fucking sleep because i got to wake up at 5 and then drive to an airport. Oh, my God. I'm so nervous. Oh, Jesus. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today's journey with me. I look forward to chatting with you once more. And I will see you in Vietnam. Like, share, subscribe, etc., etc. Bye.